go. Come on, go church family. Let's go. How you feel today? Everybody feel good? Oh, come on. Just do that worship. Anybody love Jesus? How about that? Good, man. You look great. Look around this room, man. What a great day here at Go Church. Uh, this is the second of three gatherings at this campus, and it is a joy to have all of you today. These Sundays, they come quick. We never take for granted being together. My wife, Kimberly, and I, it's the highest honor to be your pastors and be a part of your faith journey and for you to be a part of Go Church today. Whether you've been here and this is like your 100th Sunday or it's your very first Sunday, we just wanna say welcome home. We love what God is doing at Go Church. And today is a tremendous day. You know why you woke up? Come on, that's a miracle in itself, amen? This is the day the Lord has made. We'll be glad, we will rejoice in it. Let me look into cameras, the back of the room. I wanna say good morning and God bless you to our West Side Atlanta campus. Also our Montgomery County, Maryland campus, 700 miles from here. Everybody watching online through that campus, whoever you are, wherever you're watching from, every Go Church, you know, location, campus, and people. Can we put our hands together? Just greet one another today. Come on, let's go. Come on, let's take our energy up just a little bit. There we go. Good. Hey, uh, just one really quick announcement. We've been uh, promoting this for the last couple of Sundays. And because the uh, registration deadline is tonight, I wanna make sure that all of you are certainly in the know and you are ready to jump into our Go You School of Ministry and Theology. The Lord put this in my heart about 10 years ago and, and just through his favor and grace, we are launching our School of Ministry and Theology this Tuesday night, okay? So the registration deadline is tonight at 11.50 p.m. You can go online, you can go to the app, you can stop by Next Steps. Everybody in every location's got information to give to you. Really, the purpose of this is for two groups of people. First, for those that feel a call to ministry. You feel God prompting you into ministry. We just wanna be uh, a resource and a partner as you pursue all that God has for you and your ministry calling and assignment. And or secondly, for a group of people, you just have a desire to grow in your theology, in the word of God, beyond just Sundays and beyond just groups. Go You is gonna be a 15-week in-person university. We've got professors from Lee University that will be here in real time teaching live in-person at this campus. If that doesn't work for your schedule, they'll do real-time Zoom classes as well. And we're just gonna journey through the New Testament together. So I'll tell you in a couple weeks about our enrollment, but I am just overwhelmed by the response and the amount of people that are jumping into the first semester of Go You. So this afternoon, Make sure you go online, you read more about it. And if the Lord is prompting you to take that next step, then jump in with us, okay? All right, anybody ready for the word? Come on, if you're ready, say I'm ready. All right, we are now, it's crazy to think, but we're in the ninth week or what we're calling episode, kind of playing off the whole Netflix binging, you know, idea or concept. We're in the ninth episode of our current series called Binge the Bible. If you've not been a part of any previous weeks, don't you worry. You can always go back online and watch and listen to those messages and those gatherings. Uh, we're just really glad that you're here today. In this series, we've been looking specifically at the book of Acts. And so we started in Acts chapter 21. And next Sunday, we will conclude all through the book of Acts. Now, before I share with you today's message, 
Let me again just remind you of kind of the, the overarching theme of the book of Acts for us as we study this together. Genuinely, when I read the book of Acts, I believe that it demonstrates to us what God can do in people and through people, as well as what God can do in his church and through his church when we are fully committed to the Lord and we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, I don't plan on going anywhere. I believe that God's got a lot more days of my life in front of me and I plan on retiring right here as your pastor. So just hang in there with me, okay? But I don't know when my last sermon will ever be. Nobody knows when God will call us home. Come on, can you say amen to that? So if I were ever go out, I wanna go out by just asking you and imploring you. If they say, what did Pastor JC preach about? He always preached, be fully committed to the Lord and be baptized in the Holy Spirit's power. Be fully committed to the Lord and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And when you do that, you will be amazed at what God can do in and through you and in and through his church when you make that type of commitment. Can you give me a good amen right there? Come on, all right. So let's jump in today. I wanna make sure you're taking notes. I always invite you to do that. This is kind of a, a, a note-taking culture we make available for you in a seat near you, a, a, a blank message note card. So take out a pen, take out a pencil, take out a Crayola crayon, borrow some mascara. Come on, somebody, we're writing notes today, okay? We're taking notes today. I wanna pray for you as we dive into this ninth episode here. And I want you to pray this prayer in your heart. Lord, I just want you to speak to me. I want you to, if you got a word for me, and I know you do, I want you to put it right in my heart. I wanna leave here different than how I walked in. So if you'll just out of worship and reverence to the Lord, let's bow our heads, close our eyes for just a moment. I'm gonna give you about 10 seconds here just to create a moment of concentration and focus with no dis distraction, no interruption, no texting, nobody moving, just peace. And ask the Lord, Lord, I want you to speak to me today. 10 seconds, I'll pray for you. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Lord, I give you just the highest honor today. Overwhelmed with great humility for allowing me to stand on this platform and to preach your word. You could have called me to do anything, but you called me to this in this moment and I need you. I believe that this is a church and we are a people that we recognize that we need more of you. I doubt there is one of us that came here today because we've got it all figured out and we've got it all together. This church truly is a hospital for hurting and broken people, desperate to be more like you, looking for answers and believing that you are the answer. So we give you these moments today and we ask that your Holy Spirit would move in our hearts, speak to our lives and change us from the inside out. I pray all of these things in the name of the Father who loves you, the Son, who gave his life for you and the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. And all of Go Church said, amen and amen. Now, here we go. Let's just bless the Lord together. Can we do it one time? Come on, let's do it well. <laughs> Woo. 
All right, I wanna, I wanna go back to Acts chapter 20. Again, we're progressing through the entire book of Acts. And the last Sunday, we really set on Acts chapter 20 and, and, and 21. But I wanna remind you a little bit about the Apostle Paul. Now, remember, the book of Acts is broken into two different acts. Act one, the ministry of, of Peter, and then act two, the ministry and the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. So here we are in the ninth week of this conversation in the, the book study of Acts. So we're certainly into Paul's you know, third missionary journey. I'll show you that map here in just a second. So by the time you get to Acts 20, you know, he's three-fourths of the way through of this journey that's ultimately taking him to Jerusalem. But it was here that we looked at last Sunday that, that Paul is really truly being compelled by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem. And while he doesn't know a lot of things about the outcome of what will take place when he gets there, he's passionate about knowing what God's called him to do. And he's committed to doing what God has called him to do, no matter the cost. Now, that's a sermon in itself, but that's not the full message for today. So he says, I'm compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem, and, and I don't know what's going to happen to me when I get there, but here's what I do know. In every other city that I've been, you know, preaching and teaching about the gospel of Jesus Christ and what early Christians, the New Testament church, the first church called the way, the way of Jesus. He said, in every one of those cities, the Holy Spirit warned me that when I get to Jerusalem, I, I, got, I got some stuff I gotta face. Like there's gonna be prison, there's gonna be persecution, there's gonna be hardship, there's gonna be storms. So, so I know that I'm not going to you know, uh, vacation. I'm not going to an all-inclusive resort. Like I'm, I'm going with a purpose but I also know that with that purpose, I can face great pain. And then he says something here in verse number 24 that last Sunday, I really tried to challenge all of us to adopt for our own personal lives. And he said, however, or nonetheless, I consider my life worth nothing to me. And my only target, my only goal, my only aim, my only desire is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. And he says, this is the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. It's interesting because when Paul uses that word task, it, it could mean a number of things, but you know, job or profession or career. And so all of us know a lot about having a task that's in front of us, right? But what Paul is saying is, is that many people may know me as a, a tent maker and that's how I make money for a living, but that's not my number one responsibility. That's not my full aim or target or calling or goal. He says, my, my task is of testifying the good news of God's grace. So if you are taking notes, I would say that Paul's task had two primary focuses. Number one, this guy was absolutely with great courage and boldness and confidence, he was going to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And every city that he went to, he was going to preach not only who Jesus is, that he is the son of God, that he was born of a virgin, that Jesus did live a sin-free, sinless life, right? Not only did he preach who Jesus is, but Paul was also passionate about preaching what Jesus had done specifically through the cross, that it is because of Jesus going to the cross at Calvary, dying on that cross, taking our place, come on, anybody grateful for that, shedding his blood on the cross, 
that what Jesus did provides for us a way of escape, and it's only through the blood of Jesus that we can get forgiveness, that we can get grace, that we can have mercy, that we can have eternal everlasting life. Let me get 150 people that know about God's grace through his son Jesus to say amen. So like he's committed and I, I, I don't even, you know, dare to pretend to be like the apostle Paul. Ain't no way. But every day I do pray, this is the truth. God, every day I wake up, whatever opportunity you give me, whatever platform you give me, whatever conversations you give me, they don't happen accidentally, they don't happen coincidentally. You are strategic, you are intentional. So no matter where I'm at or whom I'm with, let me preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Let me tell people not only who you are, but what you've done for JC. Can I get an amen from somebody? That we overcome the enemy, Revelation 12, 11, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And that, that's your responsibility too. Vocationally, do what you do. But your number one task is to leverage that platform to testify about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And then secondly, Paul was committed to establish these communities of Jesus followers. So in the Greek, it was known as an ekklesia. It was a military term where before the military would go into battle, they would ekklesia first. They would gather together. It's one of the primary reasons that we call what we do gatherings and not services. Because we, when we gather together, we are discipled and equipped and encouraged. And this, again, is a, a community of Jesus followers or looking at some of you, Jesus freaks. Come on, somebody. And at the end of the day, watch, some of us would think, well, good job for Paul, but what does that have to do with me? These two tasks are our responsibilities as well. Now, if you got your Bible, you can open up to the book of Acts right now and you will see that written are 28 chapters in the book of Acts. But I don't think the book of Acts has 28 chapters. I actually think the book of Acts has 29 chapters. Now, before you call out hypocrisy, let me explain myself. You and I are the 29th chapter. Well, three of you said amen. It's gonna be a long day right there. You and I are living in the opportunity to take the gospel of Jesus to the ends of the earth, to plant churches, establish communities so that the word of God and the work of the Holy Spirit can transform cities and states and a nation. How many of you know America needs revival? Come on. And so you and I are Acts 29. As a matter of fact, not on the screen, but write this down. If you, if you today, whenever you got time, read the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Romans, Revelation, just, just for example. And you don't even have to read all of those books. Just go to the very last page, the very last chapter, the very last verse. Look at the very last word. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Romans, Revelation. When you do that, you'll find that all of those particular books end with the word, amen. So be it. Let it be. It is done. But when you read Acts 28, I think it's verse 31, it doesn't end with an amen. Why? Because it would suggest that you and I are to continue to preach the good news of Jesus Christ and establish communities of Jesus followers. This is why 
a big part of my heart as your pastor is to, to let there be go church campuses and communities and in cities so that we can take the gospel of Jesus and watch the word and the work of the Holy Spirit just do transformational stuff to see revival come. Can I get 100 people that's with me today? Come on, let's go if you're with me. All right, two tasks. Now, last Sunday, I showed you Paul's third missions trip or his third missionary journey. This map is a little different because it shows you all four of Paul's missions trips. Now, some theologians believe that he only had three missions trips, but I wanna include the big red line where he ends up going to Rome because a lot of ministry and evangelism and discipleship and fellowship happened on that trip to Rome. But for a moment here, if you look at the yellow line, this is Paul's third missionary journey. It's this particular trip that takes him to where we've been talking last Sunday and today. He gets to Kos, he goes to Rhodes, south of Cyprus, he ends up in Tyre, Ptolemais, Caesarea, and eventually he gets into Jerusalem. And I'll show you this verse again, but that's where we left off last Sunday. Paul, Paul walks into Jerusalem, he's, he's greeted by the, the other disciples, including James, the half-brother of Jesus, and then I'll show you this in just a moment, but then I, I left you with dot, dot, dot. How many of you remember that? Dot, dot, dot. Okay. Now, I wanted to take you to like chapters 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28 next Sunday, but if I'm fully honest with you, and it's the only way I know to be, the Holy Spirit would not let me go past Acts chapter 21. Because last Sunday, we only did the front half, and I left you with dot, dot, dot. So as I was preparing for the next kind of segment of chapters, the Lord was like, nope, stay in chapter 21. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you the rest of the book of Acts in an outline. So I, I did the homework for you. Now, you're not going to have time to write it down, but you can take a picture. Come on, everybody, everybody's got your cell phone. So some of you with an Android, it may take you a little bit longer, but you'll get there. Come on. This is a church for you as well. So this takes us from Paul, four of you were offended because only four of you have an Android. Paul's arrest, he goes to Rome, and then here's what happens. Today, we'll see the council of James and the elder of the church in Jerusalem, the arrest of Paul in the temple, that's what we'll read here in a moment. Then you get into Acts 22, the defense by Paul to the Jewish mob. Acts 23, the defense by Paul before the Sanhedrin council. Second half of Acts 23, the plot against Paul and deliverance to Felix. Acts 24, the trial before Felix. Acts 25, the appearance before Festus and the appeal to Caesar. Second half of Acts 25, uh, we get into, uh, yeah, that part. Acts 27, the journey to Rome and the shipwreck along the way. Now I'm gonna tell you something that most pastors would never tell you. All right, like this is almost factual. Most pastors are never gonna say what I'm about to say. You ready? I'm not gonna be here next Sunday. Most pastors don't tell you that. One of my closest friends is celebrating his 15th anniversary of being a senior pastor in Kentucky. So I'm gonna go celebrate with him because if you can make it 15 years in ministry, that's a blessing. So I'm gonna go with him. Now, before you're like, well, I'm not gonna be here either. I'll make you a deal. I won't be here, but how about I let my father-in-law preach? Okay, I'm gonna be honest. You were a lot more excited than I thought you would be. I a little bit offended. Some of you are like, oh, thank God. 
tired of you. Um, but anyway, so, so I talked to him in preparation of next Sunday. He says, my father-in-law, and we'll let the Lord continue to work in his heart, but he said he's gonna preach on Acts 27, the journey to Rome for Paul and the shipwreck that happens. Now, if you're new to Go Church and you've never heard my father-in-law preach, you're in for a treat or a shock or conviction. Come on, somebody. Look around the room real quick. Look at the paint on the walls because next Sunday he's gonna preach the paint off the walls. A little short Indian man going after it. So that's next Sunday. Then final, final two areas here, the explanation of Paul to the leaders of the Jews in Rome, that's Acts 28, and then the book closes with the waiting in Rome for two years. And even while Paul's waiting for what his fate is gonna be, he's, he's still preaching. It's just, just unbelievable. All right, so full disclosure, I can't get out of Acts 21, so I gave you the rest right here, and then next Sunday, Pastor Allen will preach, and, and he is just, he's fantastic. So let's go back. Let's go to Acts 21 that we visited last Sunday. We read verses one through 20. I left you at verse 20. So let's go back to verse 17 just so all of us are on the same page for a few minutes here. So Paul, and you saw this on the map, Paul gets on a cargo ship. It's not a Royal Caribbean cruise liner. It's, it's a cargo ship. He's compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. Earlier in Acts 21, he is warned Again, by the Holy Spirit, if you go there, they're going to arrest you. But he's not, he's not backing down. So now in verse 17, he arrives at Jerusalem. And the brothers and the sisters in the faith, they received us warmly, warmly. The next day, Paul and the rest of us, now the use of we and us, those plural pronouns, is because Luke is the author of Acts and Luke was there. This is like firsthand account. So Paul and the rest of us went to see James, half-brother of Jesus, and, and all of the elders who were present. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. Again, go back to last week and listen if you missed it. And when they heard this, they praised God, dot, dot, dot. Now in your Bible, it's not dot, 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 but this is where we left off. And one of the reasons that I put the dot, dot, dot there was to create for you this understanding that if you're watching some type of thriller movie or suspenseful movie, that what somebody needs to do a movie about Paul. Plus, we need better movies. Can I get an amen from somebody? Okay. So in a movie, you know that it's about to be suspenseful or the drama is about to increase or you can feel your anxiety begin to move because of the music dun, 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 and you know like, okay, there's a shift that's coming. And right here, you can see it. We heard this and, and they praised God. And then dun, 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 it's on like Donkey Kong. Then they said to Paul, you see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed? And all of them are zealous for the law. They've been informed that, that you're teaching all of the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to our customs. And then they say, what, what are we gonna do? Like, we can't, we can't hide you. 
certainly they, they, they're gonna hear that, that you've come, that you've arrived. So what do we do? And then they're like, Here, here's an idea. What if you take a Nazarite vow? What if you go through a ritual process of purification to reinforce that you're not teaching and preaching hypocrisy? So there are four men that are here. They're about to take this vow. Why don't you get in the game with them? And then what you do will prove that you really do love the people of Israel, you love the law of Moses, and you love the temple. And I I don't know, I'm filling in a little bit of, of the blanks here because the Bible doesn't give us all of the details, just the highlights. But I think Paul's like, sure, I mean, whatever. If you think me taking this vow is going to solidify that I'm not, you know, preaching heresy, then I'll, I'll take it. So they say, here's what you do. Take these guys, join in their purification rites, pay for their haircut. Come on, it says it right there. Pay for their haircut. Then everyone will know that there is no truth in these accusations about you. Because they're accusing you of being a heretic, man. Paul's like, sure. And if you do this, they'll know that you yourself are living in the obedience to the law. So then Paul jumps in. It's a seven-day purification rites ceremony. And watch verse 27. Let's skip there. And right as the seven days are almost over, some of the Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple, and they stirred up the whole crowd and seized him. Now, this isn't my sermon. This is just food for thought. What I'm about to tell you is free. You got to pay for all the other stuff. Come on, somebody. Do you know anybody in your life or in your circle, at your job, in your neighborhood, on the neighborhood Facebook page, can I get an amen? In your school or whatever circle you run with, that they're just really good at stirring up the whole crowd. Like they just got a gift. When there is no drama, they're gonna create drama. How many, y'all are looking at me like, if if you're thinking, I don't know anybody like that, it's you. <laughs> Look at somebody and say, well, he, it's you. So the whole crowd gets stirred up. They seize Paul. Now watch this, write this down. Come on, you gotta take notes, gotta take notes. They make four accusations against the apostle Paul. And all four of these accusations are found in verse number 28. So I'll show them all to you. They make four accusations. They seize them. They stir up the crowd. There's a riot. They're angry. And then they begin to shout. Look at verse 28. They begin to shout, fellow Israelites, and watch these two words, help us. He's here. Yep, the man who teaches everyone, everywhere. Watch, here's the four accusations. Against our people, against the law, against this place. And if that's not enough, this joker done brought Greeks into the temple and he has defamed Israel. Do you see the four accusations? Now I'll, I'll, I'll unpack all four, but I wanna start with the first three right here. They said that Paul was against the people of Israel, that Paul was preaching against the law of Moses, and that Paul was against the place, the temple. Now look, you know the answer. I mean, even if this is your first day in church, I'm gonna give you the answer. How many of you believe that these accusations are false? They're false. Read read the Bible. We've been in this nine weeks together. I mean, Paul has written two-thirds of your New Testament. These accusations are 100% 
you know, ridiculous and outlandish and false. And yet these are the accusations that they're making, that, that Paul is against the people of Israel, he's against the law of Moses, and he's against the temple. And listen to me, that's not one time what Paul was against, but repeatedly, and if you miss, if like, if at some point in this conversation I become like Charlie Brown, wah, 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 don't miss this. Don't miss this. So lean in for a second. Paul was never against the people, the law, or the place, but Paul was vehemently against you putting all of your trust and all of your confidence and all of your hope in any of these things in themselves. Paul would preach repeatedly that the people can't save you and the law can't save you, and the church can't save you, that the only thing that can save you is your belief in who Jesus Christ is, that you repent of your sin, you turn your heart to God, and you go all in with Jesus. Come on right there, let's go. He was never against these things, but he was against you thinking that the people could save you or following the rules could save you or going to church could save you. So what was it that Paul was preaching? He was preaching this, that being a part of a group like Israel isn't enough. That's following the rules of the law. That's not enough. That practicing all of the, the rit ritual ceremonies or the religious ceremonies, like, like the temple services or like church on Sunday at Go Church, that, that's not enough. Look at me, every person, red, yellow, black, white, young, old, rich, poor, tall, small, skinny, blessed. <laughs> Jesus alone is enough. You don't have to put your hope in anyone other than Jesus. You don't have to put your confidence in anyone other than Jesus. You give your heart to the Lord. You get washed in the blood. Your name gets written in the Lamb's book of life and whom the sun set free is free indeed. Let me get a hundred saved folk in the room who knows what I'm talking about. Oh, come on. Anybody grateful for the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the blood of Jesus? And I just think a lot of times people get confused that you think that what you do is what saves you. That what you do is what makes you a Christian. It has nothing to do with what you did. You can't do enough. So God sent his only begotten son to die on a cross. He climbed up on that cross at Calvary so that anyone who would just believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting eternal life. Can I preach a little old school this morning? I'm gonna do it if you clap or not. Now listen to me. I think so many people, they get caught up in like the religious ceremony. Watch, going to church, and I'm so glad you're here. Look at this. Every campus at capacity and growing. Thank God for that. But going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than you standing in your driveway makes you an SUV. When you get to lunch, some of you are gonna get that. In a world that can identify as whatever they want to be, the only way you can identify as a believer, as a Christian, is if you confess your sin, you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and you repent of that life. Come on, if you believe it, say amen. So watch. This is what you need to know. So just attending church, just obeying the rules. Well, this is what I can do, and this is what I can't do. I don't wanna do that. 
and I, ha I have to do this and change your perspective, change your thinking. It's not I have to do this, it's I get to do this. It's not, well, I have to pray and I have to read my Bible. I get to pray. I get to read my Bible. Well, just going through the religious motions, no wonder why you feel dry and exhausted and overwhelmed. Jesus doesn't want you to be in a religion with him. Jesus wants you to be in a relationship with him. So the only way that you get there is, and this is, this is what Paul was preaching. This is, this is why they had the accusations. They didn't like it because they had put their confidence in the people and in the law and in the temple. And Paul says, hang on, hold on, wait a minute, slow your roll. You must accept who Jesus is and what he has done for you. That is enough. One more time, can you say amen right there? Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, you clap for five seconds. Let me take a sip of water, come on. Now, let me show you something interesting. I don't have time to sit here, but let's go back to the very first Christian martyr. The early church, there was a man by the name of Stephen. Stephen, in Acts chapter seven and Acts eight, he was executed by way of stoning because of the almost exact same accusations. They came against him saying that he was preaching, you know, as a heretic and hypocrisy and not preaching the truth. So, so literally, they, they lined him up and they were about to stone him to death, but they needed an executive order. They needed, to some, they needed someone to sign the execution papers to take his life. And you know who signed them? Saul who would eventually become Paul. The same man who years before allowed an innocent guy to be murdered and executed because of false accusations is now standing in front of a mob of people with the exact same accusations. Now this may take it out of a little context here, but just hang with me, okay? I'm a pastor, I'm not a theologian, I'm learning the word too. But you will reap what you sow. Different sermon, different day. But you better be careful how you treat people. Because it always comes full circle. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So now, Paul, who was Saul, is standing before the people. And I, I again, I'm not there, wasn't in his mind, but I can only imagine Paul is like, Ooh, I really missed that last one. I hope this outcome is a little different. Paul's against the people, against the law, against the place, all false accusations. And then here was one they threw in. And he brought Greeks into the temple. Now, when people like the apostle Paul or the disciples, or even when Jesus was alive. Now, when I say Jesus was alive, I mean on the earth because Jesus is alive. Come on. Well, that was so weak. Jesus is alive, come on, okay. But when they were alive on the earth, there would be signage outside of the temple. And these signs would be strategically placed and all of these signs would be written in Greek and Latin. 
and what would be written on the signs outside of the temple. And I'm, I'm gonna show you this because the apostle Paul knew the law and he would never defame Israel by bringing a foreigner into the temple. So on these signs, this is what it would say. No foreigner may enter within the barricade which surrounds the temple and enclosure. Anyone who is caught trespassing will bear personal responsibility for his or her ensuing death. Meaning, you come in here and you don't belong, you gonna die. No questions asked and it's your own fault. So this again was another false accusation. Paul would never defame Israel. He would never go against that law and he would never bring foreigners into the temple. But it was always false accusations, which just leads me really quick to ask you, have you ever been completely misunderstood? Has anybody ever accused you falsely saying you did something or you didn't do something that you actually did or did not do? <laughs> this morning in my prayer time, I was like, Lord, I need like a really good story of a time that I was completely misunderstood or falsely accused. And the Lord was like, there's a lot of stories. Maybe I'm a bad communicator. Maybe I don't clearly speak what I intend to say. But I can tell you this much. If you live for very long, you will experience what it means to be falsely accused, to be misunderstood. Now let's take it a step further because that lesson might be true in life and in leadership and in school and in business. But if you take a stand for Jesus, that you are gonna live your life for Jesus, you better believe that people will falsely accuse you of stuff. So the next time, whatever that looks like for you, the next time that you feel misunderstood and there are false accusations in the home, in the class, on the job site, whatever, here's how you should respond. And this is how Paul responded to the accusations that were false. You've gotta respond with prayer, because prayer works. You gotta respond with faith, because faith works. You gotta respond with confidence, and you have to respond with obedience. Last thing I'll say, and we'll go back to the Bible, okay? Too many of you, when you are misunderstood and falsely accused, you try to handle it, you try to fix it, and you get overly involved, and you mess it up a lot more than it ever needed to be messed up. Vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. It is the truth that will set you free. I'm not saying be a doormat, and I'm not telling you to be taken advantage of. But what I am saying is, don't try to fight battles that the Lord will fight for you. Can I get an amen from somebody? Respond with prayer, with faith, with confidence, and obedience, because the truth will set you free. All right, here we go. Now verse 30. Then the whole city was provoked. They stirred up the crowd. They seized Paul. They make these four false accusations against him. And it's a riot, man. All the people rush together. They take the, the hand of Paul. They drag him out of the temple. Immediately the doors were shut. I do appreciate St. Luke's descriptive imagery here. I mean, come on, just in your mind. I asked some of you a couple of weeks ago if you've ever been to Jerusalem. It's our heart to do a trip there in 2024. So those of you that have been there, you, you've probably been to the temple. 
It's a bucket list for me to go to Jerusalem. How many of you with me? Like you wanna go. We just gotta go, all right? But it ain't free. Come on, somebody, you gotta save some money. They drag Paul out of the temple. They slam the door shut. They lock the doors. They're trying to kill him. But they don't want a, a trial or a judge or a jury. We're trying to kill him. And news reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city in Jerusalem was in an uproar. So watch. So the commander of the, the Roman army he doesn't give two flying flips about Paul and what he has done and what he hasn't done. What he cares about is order and dignity in the temple. So it didn't matter what was going on. There was a riot, there was chaos, and the Roman soldiers, they didn't play. So he took some officers and soldiers. He ran down to the crowd. When, and I love this. When the rioters saw the commander and his soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. It, that's like some of you back in middle school when you got in that little fight and then the principal showed up. And you were like, mm, 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 mm. you can tell it's been a minute since I've been in a fight. Come on, somebody. You know, beating them in the print. You're like, oh, I, I, I had nothing to do with it. And they just back off. The commander walks up. Look at this. He arrests Paul. No questions. Well, here's a guy. They're screaming, shouting, beating him. Let's arrest him. They arrest him and order him to be bound with two chains. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Two chains, the rapper was there? That's over some of y'all's head. Some of y'all acting too holy. You acting too holy like you ain't know. I saw a guy in the back, he's like, two chain, two chain. Two. No, look, they bound him with two chain. Go, go back to act. That's funny. I don't care who you are. You can pretend like it ain't funny, but you'll appreciate that com comedic relief right there. Go back to Acts 21, uh, verse 11. I believe it's verse 11. Give me grace if I'm wrong. Acts 21, verse 11. You've got, we talked about this last Sunday. You've got the... The, the ministry of, of Agabus, who God used to bring a prophecy to Paul before he gets to Jerusalem. We just studied this. And, and Agabus shows up with an illustrative sermon, a prophetic word, and he takes Paul's belt off. He ties his own hands with the belt, and he says, just as my hands are bound, so will be the man of the owner of this belt when he gets to Jerusalem. And now look, the prophecy is fulfilled. He's in two chains. And once he's arrested, then the commander asks him, so who are you? And what have you done? And before Paul can even respond, some people in the crowd begin to shout one thing and some people shout another thing. You ever felt that way? And since the commander could not get at the truth because of the uproar, he ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. And when Paul reached the steps, I should have highlighted this yellow, but watch, the violence of the mob was so great, he had to be carried by the soldiers. They are still trying to get after Paul. Paul's being arrested, and now he's crowd surfing. <laughs> They're passing Paul above the crowd so they don't kill him. And the crowd that followed kept shouting, away with him, away with him, away with him, away with him. Sound familiar? 27 years before this very moment, 
there was a religious crowd of people shouting at Jesus, away with him, crucify him, give us Barabbas, they said. And I just wanna say this to you as a, as a teaching and preaching point. The apostle Paul was committed to following in the footsteps of Jesus. And if they crucified Jesus and they tried to kill Paul, if you wanna be like Jesus, persecution is coming to us too. Away with him, crucify him. Now, look, now you're at a crossroad because now you have to decide. Will I continue to follow Jesus with everything I have, even though I know that storms will come and persecution will come and pain may come and, and, and trouble may come and all of that? Or do I say, nah, that's not for me. I don't want that. So what does the enemy do? It's what he's so stinking good at. He, he entices you with the things of the world. All the things of the world to promise you something, but look at me. You gotta get your eyes off of the natural and see things in the supernatural. Let me say it like this. Get your eyes off of the earthly things and get your eyes on eternal things. Watch, for, for the things that we deal with on this world, they fail in comparison to the glory of God, the, the hope of heaven. Away with them. So what do you do? I'm gonna get ahead of myself here, but man. I'm all in. Like I'm all in. I can't predict the future. I, I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen in this country and in this world. And, and if you'll let me be like fully transparent, it's not even me that I'm worried about, it's my kids. And my grandkids. But as for me and my house, it's gonna serve the Lord. I'm all in. And I just want you to know that. So the soldiers are about to take Paul into the barracks and Paul is wild, man. Some would say he's crazy, but he's not crazy. I'll show you that in a second. But he's arrested, he's crowd surfing. They're trying to save his life. And he's almost rescued from the mob at least. And he's like, hey, hey, hey. You think I could say something? What? I mean, all of us would be like, get me out of here. I'd rather go to jail in the barracks than die right here. And he's like, before you take me away, can I say one thing? And the soldier says, aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists out into the wilderness some time ago? And Paul says, nah, bro, I'm a Jew. I'm from Tarsus. I'm a, I'm a citizen of, of no mean city, no ordinary city. Let me speak to these people. What? 
And so they, they allow him. After receiving the commander's permission, Paul stood on the steps and somebody do the research for me, okay? Because during worship, I thought about this, like what, what was his hand motion? Because I know what some of your hands motions would be. Well, what do he do? I don't know, but maybe. Lift his hands, stands on the steps, motions to the crowd, and their jaw drops. They are silent because he spoke to them in Hebrew. And you know what he said? Dot, dot, dot. It's chapter 22. And I don't have time to go there. But I can tell you this. A lot of people, including me, would think, man, this Paul guy, he is crazy. What is he doing? Why would he do that? And I'll tell you two truths about Paul as we kind of wrap up today. The first truth about Paul was this, is he was just a man whose life was radically touched and dramatically transformed by Jesus I love the ministry moment, Pastor David, that you did earlier at this campus, just reminding us to go back to those moments and the monuments that we build in our life. Because if you get your eyes on the things of this world and you forget about your first love and God saving you and delivering you and rescuing you and changing you. and I got a computer file on my laptop with about four pictures. And it's just pictures of the Orange Hill Cemetery in Tampa, Florida, off Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Highway or Boulevard. Because in that cemetery is where I got saved. Cutting grass, living on my own, trying to pay bills. And in a cemetery, God saved me. So on the days, and maybe this is too vulnerable, but if you'll give me grace, so on the days that I feel like quitting, anybody ever been there? I don't wanna be the only one. Okay, three of you, wow, tough crowd. On the days I feel overwhelmed, I feel like throwing in the proverbial towel, you know what I do? I pull up those pictures and I go back to the day that God picked me up out of the darkness and depression and despair and alcoholism and addiction and he saved me and he changed my life. Man, and this is Paul. Paul, Paul says this, he says, I don't know what's next. I don't know exactly where I'm going, but I know where I've been. And I think too many of you, you get so focused on what's next, you stop looking back to see how far God's brought you. So, so sure, you're not where you wanna be, but but listen, thank God you're not who you used to be either. God's brought you a mighty long way. Don't you forget it. We're a work in progress. There's construction cones around us. And watch, it's sanctification. We'll never fully arrive until we see Jesus face to face. Man, remember when your kids were little? Some of you got little kids. I remember when Lakeland was really, really little. Now he's 
13 and six feet tall. And, but I remember when he was small and London was just an infant and we would take these road trips or vacation. And man, one time we were living in Maryland and we were gonna fly to Orlando for a church conference, but we had a couple days on the front end to go to Disney. And so we told the kids, and of course they were ecstatic and you know, now nobody can afford Disney. Can I get an amen, you know? And so we go to BWI, the airport out of Baltimore, and we're gonna fly from BWI to Orlando. We're gonna spend some time at Disney. I'm loading up the car just to get to the airport and Lakeland starts. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? I'm like, nobody, see, I haven't even loaded the car, bud. We get on the road to go to the airport. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? My anxiety is building. I'm like, I love this kid, but I'm about to beat this kid. Come on, parents, where are you at? Be honest, just for a second. I love you, but I don't like you right now. We get on the plane. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And listen, when God saved me, he saved me. He set me free. What is, what is this year, 2023? I'm 23 years sober in Jesus' name. Come on, not a drink in Jesus' name. We get on that airplane. Are we there? Are we there yet? Are we? I looked at Kim. I was like, I love Jesus, but I'm gonna need a drink. I can't take it. I'm just kidding. Are we there yet? And when I turned to correct him, because I was frustrated, I heard the Lord say this: His anticipation for what's to come outweighs his appreciation for how far he's been. And I just wonder, how many of you, you have so much anticipation for what's coming, you've stopped appreciating how far God has brought you. And Paul gets to this moment, he's like, hey, there's still a lot in front of me, but I don't wanna miss this moment. I don't wanna miss this moment for one last time to talk about the glory of God and the goodness of God and who Jesus is and what he has done. And so before you take my life, here we go. God has been so good to me. Revelation 12, 11, you overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. Don't you forget how far God has brought you. God has brought you through every valley. He's brought you over every mountain. God has been good all the time and all the time God is good. I wish you'd go 30 seconds just thanking God for how good he's been to you. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, you brought me a mighty long way. I'm not there just yet, but Lord, I look back over my life and I see your hand over my life. You brought me a long way, Lord. All right, sit down, I'm done, watch. And he loved people so much that he knew if I don't tell them about Jesus, they'll die in their sin. No matter the outcome for me, I'm gonna tell the whole world who Jesus is. How about that coworker, that neighbor, that family member? Paul loved those people so much that he was committed to preaching who Jesus was and what he did on the cross. Here's the final question, look. So what's holding you back? What's holding you back? What's keeping you from that courageous faith and this like bold obedience? And aren't, aren't you tired of just going through the motions? 
Aren't you tired of clocking in and clocking out and paying bills and getting up and doing the same stinking blasted thing over and over and over? Or could you go all in, fully committed to the Lord, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and watch what God can do? Our executive team, I've just been talking about this very thing with them repeatedly. And I don't know, maybe because we're doing the book of Acts and I'm challenged by Paul, but man, like I'm all in. I told, I sat Kimberly down last night. I was like, I just gotta tell you what's on my heart. Like I, I told her, I feel like God wants me to go to the Philippines in the fall. She's like, but you just went in February. He's like, I know, but I feel like he wants me to preach. Now I got an opportunity and listen, I'm, I'm I know it's of the Lord if you say yes, because in my life, the Holy Spirit has a first name and her name is Kimberly. Come on, somebody. She was like, I know, but when you're gone, it's hard. We miss you. I was like, I I know. But I wanna go. Because I think they need to hear a message. And I think I've got the word. What's keeping you from that courageous faith? All right, heads bowed, eyes closed. We gotta move. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just take like 20 seconds right where you are. Nobody move. Just, just worship the Lord for a second. Oh, Jesus. I don't even, I don't even sing anymore. I stopped singing a long time ago. But I just... I just love that old song. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Hallelujah, Jesus. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Come on, can you lift your hands? Let's sing it. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Come on, you know it. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. JC, Lord, I give you my heart and I give you my life. For those of you that don't know Jesus, that's the first step to go all in and then to say, now my life means nothing to me except to finish the task, the assignment, the call that you've put on my life. Forgive me of my sin, make me a new person, wash me clean, make me new, give me courageous faith, in bold obedience like Paul. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of Go Church said amen and amen. Come on, 10 seconds right here for King Jesus. Come on.